engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Eric Erickson here. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, boy, the right, right. Let's just let me deal with the weather here real quick. Uh, I have seen many a friend be very sarcastic on social media today about the weather. Um, what everybody seems to be missing is that the storm did not decide to uh, track north until... The, the weather forecast began to change after 11 o'clock last night. So if you were on the 11, watched the 11 o'clock news last night, you may have gotten the sense that things were changing. But uh, throughout the day yesterday, the storm track had it moving further and further south to the point where even down towards Griffin, uh, we were expecting snow. So things changed. Uh, better safe than sorry. I assure you, you can all be joking and laughing today about the, the overcautious nature of the state government and whatnot. But where if you were stuck in the road today because you couldn't get home, you would be complaining. So uh, it's kind of a, a damned if they do, don't damned if they don't situation and better safe than sorry. Um, Christie's oncology appointment got canceled because of the situation will be rescheduled for March. Uh, but you know, it's just weather can be unpredictable and the track had it moving to the South. Now I just pulled up the weather radar a few minutes ago and everything is clear. Now it, it is uh, sunshiny and blue sky through most of the state now and it looks like the roads are going to be dry enough we're not going to have to worry about ice so that's good everything performed the way it needed to perform now we're gonna have cold cold weather buddy of mine actually sent me a note earlier his law firm has had an office in chicago since the mid 1800s and expects to be closed tomorrow it is colder seriously here's your random fact uh, chicago illinois is colder today than any part of the planet mars yeah, including the South the South Pole and the North Pole at Mars are warmer than Chicago, Illinois today. Crazy. That it's just it's crazy. Negative 25 degrees there, which is a record. Uh, global warming. We could use some of that right now. Now, let us get into the state of play in Georgia. This is uh, deeply relevant. You do need to be advised. Uh, the Democrats have decided they're going to make Georgia a real play in 2020, that they have the chance of picking up the Senate seat occupied by David Perdue and also picking up the Electoral College votes in Georgia to beat the president. They are going to pour resources in Georgia. They are signaling it by giving Stacey Abrams the right to give the State of the Union address. Now, no one ever remembers anyone who gives the State of the Union address, and it, it tends to hurt their career. Uh, Stacey Abrams is smart enough to know this and so is smart enough, I'm sure, to try to design a venue whereby she may be able to overcome the the curse of the response. Uh, Christy Todd Whitman, back in the uh, in the '90s, she was the Republican governor of New Jersey. She actually gave the address before the uh, Republican-backed legislature in New Jersey, and it was a pretty good forum and format for her to do that. It's one of the few memorable ones. Uh, to this day, Marco Rubio is is picked on for taking a sip of water. During his response, we'll see how Stacey Abrams performs. But this is a very big signal, a very, very important signal that the Democrats intend to make Georgia a state of play in 2020. This also reminds me of something that you all need to be aware of. I, I You know, the way the parties in Georgia work, 
The parties are divided into precincts, as is the state voting population. And then from the precincts, there is a county party. And then all of the counties that are in congressional districts get together and they have congressional district party meetings. And they pick delegates to go to a state convention. And in the state convention, they pick a, a chairman. Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 I need to. I, I like the Republican Party chairman in Georgia. And I need to have lunch with him. There are some people thinking he's not going to run again. I think the state party uh, has largely, it got comfortable and kind of put the new party chairman in a difficult position. And there's some rebuilding period that the Republican Party has to do in Georgia. But it all starts on February 9th. You can get involved in party politics in Georgia very easily for both parties, Republican and Democrat. I am not aware of when the Democratic Party meets. But the Republican Party at the precinct level will begin meeting on February 9th. Uh, what happens is, it, it pay attention to this, this is very important, and for those of you who care about the president, by the way, you can stop emailing me, you're, you're trying to resolve me on, on whether or not I should be voting for the president in 2020. I expect to vote for the president in 2020. Uh, my issues of his character notwithstanding, I, I expect I'll probably wind up voting for him, so you can stop emailing me and, and trying to convince me. I, I'm, I've convinced myself that, I mean, Kamala Harris is convincing me to vote for President Trump, put it to you that way. Uh, so... February 9th, large counties, that is most of the metro area, are going to have precinct meetings. That is, you will show up at a location in your precinct. Everybody in Georgia lives in a precinct inside a county. So you'll show up at your precinct to a Republican precinct meeting, and a chairman will be elected for that precinct. And the chairman who is elected to that precinct will then go to a county meeting in March. And the county meeting in March, uh, they will elect delegates to the uh, district conventions. And the district conventions will elect delegates to the state convention. If you show up, here's the funny thing about politics in Georgia, the Republican and the Democratic level. If you show up at your precinct on February 9th, call your local Republican Party. You can call the state party. Find out where it's going to be. You show up. The odds are strongly in your favor that you and you alone will be there, and so you and you alone will become the chairman of your precinct, which automatically gives you power at your county convention. If you show up with multiple friends of yours, if there are other people there, they can all vote for you to be chairman of your precinct, which then puts you in your county convention. But to get it all started initially, you got to show up on February 9th to your precinct and you find out where the meeting is going to be by calling the state party or getting on the, the uh, Georgia GOP website and finding out who your county chairman is and say, hey, where do I go on February 9th? Now, smaller counties, they're going to do it all in March. They're not going to do it in February. But for the big counties, most of the counties listening to me right now where you live, they're going to have this on February 9th. You want to get involved in local politics. You want to start laying the groundwork for the president's re-election in 2020. You want to help head off a, a uh, primary challenge to the president, whatnot. Well, you got to show up February 9th at your precinct. Get involved in your local party. Democrats, uh, call the Democratic Party. You can find out when your precinct committee meetings are. I do not know when they are. The Democrats think they've got a play in Georgia. And their play in Georgia is... They're going to try to keep the heat on Brian Kemp in particular. They are going to fight, 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 fight. Now, here's the thing. If you'll notice, our legislature is technically meeting right now. 
But they've put off all of the big fights until after the Super Bowl because they don't want a distraction in Georgia politics. Uh, Neither party right now really wants to generate negative headlines about Georgia prior to the Super Bowl. So all of the big fights on on RIFRA, on adoption, on taxes, on spending, everything being put off until after Sunday. The fireworks will begin on Monday and Tuesday, probably after Tuesday. They'll wait until after the President's State of the Union so it doesn't get overcome. But you can bet, you can be assured... There are going to be some big fights happening in the state legislature this year. The Republicans know, for example, that if they don't do RIFRA now, they probably will not uh, do RIFRA until after uh, 2018 or after 2020, rather. So if it's going to happen, it's got to happen now. The conservatives know this. They they know the speaker is going to block it. They're trying to figure out if the speaker is going to last more than uh, this next term. Uh, there are some rumors circulating. He's, he's tired of it, but I would not buy into those rumors. I think he's going to stay. The Democrats are going to pick every Republican fight and try to portray the Republicans as Trump like and out of touch. They're going to use Stacey Abrams state of the union address to begin pounding the drum on turning Georgia blue. They're going to pour resources into the state. One of the things, and if you if you have anything to do with Senator Purdue, please listen to this. This is important. The Democrats are calculating. I think they're calculating wrongly, but they're calculating that David Purdue actually had it easy against Michelle Nunn, and that they can give him more of a fight, and that he won't adequately respond. A Democratic operative who I know in the state pointed out the incident at Georgia Tech with David Perdue where he took some activist phone. And they are convinced that Senator Perdue is thin-skinned, and they are convinced that they can influence him or be hostile enough to him that he behaves in those ways again and that a sympathetic media will portray David Perdue as, as rude, out of touch, and needing to be beat. Uh, The Democrats are banking on the media's assist in their attacks, and they are hoping to put Senator Perdue in positions where he yet again has a snatching the cell phone moment. I think the Perdue campaign is mindful of these things and that Senator Perdue is mindful of these things and will be careful in the positions he's in. But the Democrats are convinced they can take the state. They're convinced they can beat David Perdue. They are convinced they can hand the Electoral College to the Democrats. They are fundamentally convinced that as long as Donald Trump is president, Georgia is trending blue, and they hope to be able to put in place dynamics that keep the state trending blue, whether Donald Trump is president or not. It is going to be a prime, prime state uh, in 2020 for campaign ads and targeting. It's going to be messy. The thing the Republicans need to do here and now above anything else and they need to really have started it yesterday is, well, look at the clock. I'll tell you when we come back. Just a quick time out for a sponsor who I am a longtime user of, and that would be Quip. Uh, my electric toothbrush for two years now, more than two years actually, has been Quip. In fact, I just got my new brush head the other day. It's sitting right here. I've got it in my hand. It comes in a nice little tube. You can pop it open and there's your toothbrush head. It's fantastic. I like Quip. What I like about Quip is that I've used other electric toothbrushes in the past and the brush heads are so big, it's hard to get to the back of your mouth and that's where I have a problem brushing after wisdom tooth surgery a number of years ago. 
have a real hard time getting back there with uh, a lot of electric toothbrushes, and the Quip fits perfectly. Not only that, but it you don't have to worry about carrying a charger with you. It's got a AAA battery, and every three months, for five bucks, you get a new brush head. It also comes with a AAA battery, and so they keep you in stock. I really like it. I've used this for a number of years now. My wife uses it as well. Even my dentist has commented that I don't have a lot of tartar plaque buildup on my teeth these days, and it's because of the Quip. It really is. Uh, it vibrates for two minutes, and every 30 seconds pulses, so you know to reposition in your mouth, so you get a very even clean. You get the two minutes that dentists recommend. I really like this. It starts at $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You'll get your first brush head refill pack for free as well. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. It is 25 after the hour. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, wsb Dog, you have probably heard this afternoon uh, about uh, Jesse Smollett, who is on the TV show Empire, who was attacked on the streets of Chicago last night. He had gone to a Subway restaurant, apparently, at 2 o'clock in the morning, and was attacked. Um, one of the entertainment outlets is claiming that the people who attacked him uh, called him the N-word and the F-word and poured bleach on him. They were wearing ski masks. They recognized him from the show, apparently, uh, and claiming that it was MAGA country. Uh, that You know, the, the media rushed out with the story that it was Trump supporters who attacked this Hollywood actor and called him the N-word, he is black, and also called him the F-word, um, and racist homophobic attack. Uh, well, turns out, now that some media outlets have rushed out to cover the story, turns out the police say they have no idea what people are talking about. According to the police, quote, we have no record of the MAGA country comment. We have racial and homophobic comments documented um interesting now here's the other thing of why a lot of people said this just seems too suspicious because it was two o'clock in the morning in chicago and negative 50 degrees and we're to believe that uh people wearing ski masks were on the street with rope and bleach at two o'clock in the morning to attack this guy who they recognized as an actor on a TV show. It just, it seems too good to be true. Throw in the Trump angle, of course, and the media rushed with it. Uh, several media outlets, not, not all the media outlets, um, but nonetheless, it appears now the police are saying, no, this report isn't true. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it doesn't appear to be true. Speaking of... Have you all heard about the bear and the three-year-old? So this this story is circulating today in different media reports. A three-year-old has been missing in North Carolina for three days, was finally found alive in bushes. And the three-year-old has told everyone the same story, that he was kept company by and protected by a bear. A black bear protected the child and kept the child company, kept the child warm at night in the in the freezing temperatures in North Carolina as well. 
the child is told the family this. The child is told the police this. Now, it's a three-year-old. And, you know, I remember from when our kids were little, when they were three years old, uh, the doctors assured us when they were telling us things that they were not at the age to make up uh, fantastic stories, that they, they weren't at that age yet. Your, your brain has to um, get a little bit more. Uh, your, your brain has to develop a little more to do that. I am, I'm just amazed. I, I'm amazed at the story, but I'm not amazed at the people dismissing the story. Particularly, I'm not amazed at uh, wildlife experts saying, no, 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 this probably, we're not going to call the kid a liar, but this probably didn't happen. Uh, largely because they don't want people to go out into the woods and try to befriend bears and get eaten. Um, I, I know, I know Charlie is reminding me that I, I did a f- brilliant tease about Purdue and Abrams and what the Republicans need to do. And I looked at the clock when we got back. I was like, I don't have enough time to make the point. So, yes, if, you, if you're sticking around, you got to still stick with me because I actually do have a moment of brilliance. I know it's rare. I know I'm half Swedish, half half Louisianian. It's hard for me to have moments of brilliance, but I got one coming and we got to build to it. I, we just don't have enough time to get there. So I, I had to go to these two stories uh, and this kid and the bear. I'm, I'm totally willing to believe that a bear protected this kid and I, there are actually numerous documented stories of uh, wild animals is having some sort of connection to children lost in the woods. Uh, I'm totally, I, I'm saying it's a Jesus moment. I absolutely am. Now, when we come back, what the Georgia Republicans need to do right now to get ready for Purdue versus Abrams, it's really obvious and no one seems to be doing it. It's 38 after the hour. It is Eric Erickson here on WSB Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Don't forget you can text the word SHOW to 444-999 to get the podcast and sign up for the daily email. Okay, let's talk about what Georgia Republicans need to do. Um, If you're just tuning in, I mentioned February 6th is the Republican precinct meetings in large counties, where if you show up at your local precinct meeting, the odds are you become chairman of a precinct and become a part of the Georgia Republican Party. The Democrats have decided Georgia is a swing state based on the outcome of the Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams race. More importantly, the Democrats have decided the way to win Georgia is to go hard left, as Stacey Abrams did. Instead of trying to be Republican light, go hard left, and they think they can make a play of it, which is why Kamala Harris is such an intriguing candidate for the Democrats right now. Uh, They think she'll mobilize black voters like Barack Obama did, and she'll mobilize white progressives in ways like Barack Obama did, putting his coalition back together, but also bringing in people turned off by Trump. Ergo, they can win Georgia. One of the things that has been left unsaid and ignored is that one reason Republicans did badly in the suburbs is because they offloaded a lot of the door-to-door efforts to national groups. The Kemp campaign made a conscious decision, a tactical and strategic decision to boost their outcome in exurban, that is areas right on the outsides of suburbs, and rural parts of the state. And they did aggressive ground games and door knocking in those areas, and they really mobilized and boosted their turnout. The only paid door-to-door operations that happened in the Georgia suburbs happened by Democrats. That is an indisputable fact. And it is a fact that most of the media has ignored, and it is a fact I believe had more to do with Karen Handel losing than Donald Trump or Brian Kemp. 
the Georgia GOP did not do the door-to-door efforts, not because they didn't want to do the door-to-door efforts. It is not the fault of the Georgia GOP. The Georgia GOP relied on the National Party, the RNC, and, and the RGA and other outside groups to do it. They committed to doing it, particularly the RNC, and then they never ponied up the cash to actually do it. And so Republicans were left to rely on volunteers. The Democrats used paid operatives going door-to-door, and Republicans used volunteers. And paid operatives versus volunteers, the paid operatives win every time. The volunteers don't necessarily show up at the training meetings. They don't necessarily show up. They don't necessarily spend the time in the field. The paid operators do. Uh, Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis in Florida largely won their races because of Florida Power and Light. Florida Power and Light hired an outside, they're, they're, uh, they have a super PAC, and the super PAC tied to Florida Power and Light hired paid door knockers, and they went door-to-door in Florida. And in fact, uh, this uh, the door knocking campaign knew that Scott and DeSantis were going to win, even though the polls said it was very close because the door knockers in real time were able to keep track of who's voting for whom, who's undecided, who needs another visit, what will persuade those people to vote for DeSantis and Scott, and the door knocking campaign paid off. Now, guess what? The outside door and paid door knockers in Florida used this were from the same company, the exact same company that Brian Kemp hired. It's actually run by a friend of mine. Now this is not an ad. It's not an, it, it's, it's no sort of promo. I just, I know it works. Uh, it worked with for Rick Scott. It worked for Ron DeSantis. It worked for Brian Kemp. Uh, the can the, the program is called campaign sidekick. I have seen this working. Uh, a good friend of mine runs this group and you can on your phone if you're if you're a paid operator they hire paid people volunteers can do it yes uh, volunteers can do it but the better campaigns use paid operatives and in florida the outside special interest groups use paid operatives uh, the kemp campaign used paid people to go door to door they didn't just rely on volunteers the RNC committed to doing a paid effort in the suburbs of Atlanta and they failed to pony up the cash and guess what the republicans lost the suburbs in Atlanta the people who had the paid door knockers won. So what Campaign Sidekick is, is it's an app. And you circle an area on the map you want to send door knockers. And you say, I want to find all of the undecided voters. So I don't want to knock on the doors of someone who I know is going to vote Republican. And I don't want to knock on the door of someone who I know is going to vote Democrat. I only want to knock on the doors of people who I'm unsure about. And you circle on the map and it pulls up, here are the people who are undecided. Now I want to knock on the doors of the undecided voters who seem to favor the Second Amendment. And how do I find that? Well, they're an NRA member. They subscribe to Field and Stream. They're they're um, big into hunting. They're, they're on various mailing lists related to hunting stuff. Okay, I'm going to circle all these people who are undecided voters who I think I can get to vote. And I want to focus on the Second Amendment issue. Print me out a map, and on your phone it displays a map, and you can go door-to-door in order, skipping all the houses of the people who you know are going to vote Democrat or Republican, only focus on the undecideds who are Second Amendment voters, and guess what? It'll show you, here's what this person subscribes to, this is why it appears this person's a Second Amendment voter, so you can have, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm here because I believe that we need to support Second Amendment rights, we need to get Second Amendment people elected. I'm an NRA member. Oh, hey, I'm an NRA member. Never mind that the person already knew this. And you use this app and you go door to door. 
the Georgia GOP needs to yesterday start hiring people, whether it's Campaign Sidekick or another program, they need to start going door-to-door in the suburbs now. David Perdue's campaign should be signing up Campaign Sidekick yesterday as a vendor to send in paid operatives to start building relationships with these people in the suburbs. If you don't engage with people in the suburbs, they're not going to vote for you. And the GOP in Georgia did not engage in the suburbs because they relied on outside groups at those outside groups' request, and then those outside groups didn't deliver the way they promised to. The Georgia GOP, David Perdue's campaign, everybody in the state who's a Republican needs to engage like this, or the GOP is going to lose Georgia in 2020. The trend lines are not good in Georgia. It is a fact that uh, Donald Trump is impacting the trend lines, but it is also a fact that the GOP has not engaged in the suburbs. They've taken them for granted, and now they can't. That's what they need to do immediately in this state. Listen, I I realize this is esoteric for some of you. I I totally get that. I'm a, a campaign nerd here. When I was in campaign management school, I used to run campaigns for a living. The most fascinating part of it was the part on organizing ground operations. Did you know you only need 3 to 4% of voters to get elected? Seriously, you only need 3 to 4% of voters to get elected. Now, why is that? Well, because not every registered voter votes. And of those who do vote, um, a, a portion of them will break for the Democrats reliably, and another portion will break for the Republicans reliably. Then there is a smaller subset of voters who break reliably on single issues, whether it's abortion or life issues, whether it's gun control or gun rights. um, Those voters reliably will break Republican or Democrat, but based on a single issue. Environmentalists, uh, millennial voters in particular, if they're single issue, the single issue on which they tend to be motivated is the environment and they break left. But then there are a pool of voters who are undecided. And they are the reliably undecided voters, meaning they actually are the people who they don't care about party. They don't care about issue. They vote for the person. And you can find ways to connect to those people. And much of campaign management school these days is spent on uh, mailing lists. This is why, what, what is it? Uh, Cambridge Analytica. The Cambridge Analytica story in Facebook. This is why the, the Democrats did that for years. It only became a scandal in 2016 or in 2018, uh, yeah, 2016, because Donald Trump did better than the Democrats. That's the only reason the media cared about the story. In 2008 and 2012, there were fawning profiles of the digital data efforts by the Obama campaign. You'll remember there was an entire book done on the statistical sampling done by the Obama team and how genius it was to mine Facebook data to find voters who they could reliably persuade to vote for Barack Obama. That That's all Donald Trump did in 2016. And what they found were certain correlations of people who are likely to vote for President Trump had certain certain they subscribed to certain things. They watched certain TV shows. They they went to certain restaurants. They liked certain sports teams. They went to certain churches, things like that. You could correlate all that data into a database like Campaign Sidekick and say, okay, this is an undecided voter who looks like they can be persuaded to go vote for President Trump. Let's go see if we can persuade that person to to show up. And you know what they found? And this data has been consistent for years. A person is far more likely to vote if you knock on their door and they interact with someone physically face-to-face. Particularly, this number goes up, the interaction rate goes up as the nation more and more does not have interaction at a face-to-face level. We interact on cell phones. We interact over radio or TV, uh, over email, over text message. We don't interact face-to-face anymore. 
And so the more a campaign interacts face-to-face with someone, the more that someone is likely to vote for that candidate. And it is not a surprise to me that Democrats won the suburbs in Georgia in 2018 because they were the candidates. They were the group most likely to interact face-to-face with someone in the suburbs. It was not a Republican. It was a Democrat. And guess what? Those undecided, persuadable voters were interacting on multiple occasions at their front door with Democrats who were asking them to please vote for that nice lady, Stacey Abrams. And guess what? They turned out and they did it. But they were offset because Brian Kemp was doing the same thing in the exurbs and the rural areas and, in fact, was doing it at a much faster, higher, bigger pace than the Democrats. It paid off. But for David Perdue and Donald Trump in 2020, the GOP has got to start doing this in the suburbs now. Man, I went long on the on door knocking. It was much more than I intended. And now in the next hour, we got to cram a bunch of stuff in. When we come back, uh, we've got to spend time on Kamala Harris. Her uh, town hall with Jake Tapper last night on CNN uh, made a lot of news. As I think, uh, you know, I I've got to say just objectively. I listen. Um, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren are doing more than anyone else to firmly commit me to voting for the president in 2020. I don't care who the Democrats nominated at this point. It's clear they're going to be radical leftists and uh, the president's going to be the only reasonable person on the ballot. Uh, And I have signaled to the White House as much that I expect to endorse the president for 2020. Um, And Kamala Harris is making a ton of news. I don't care for her. She is a radical leftist. She is hostile to my values. But I think we should all just objectively acknowledge that she has had a very good rollout this week as a progressive Democrat. She has sucked the oxygen out of the room for Elizabeth Warren and a number of other candidates. She is winning the pundit battle. Now, does that really matter? We're still more than a year away. I don't know that it does. Uh, But right now, she's had a very good rollout as a leftist Democratic candidate saying very extreme stuff. Uh, and the Democrats are treating it as normal positions. That That's a good sign for her to be the nominee, a terrible sign for the country if she wins. Uh, what she said to Jake Tapper when we come back here on WSB. You know, I, I got to say it is very unusual for a non-office holder to give a response to the State of the Union. Uh, it, again, it's just it reiterates to me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Stacey Abrams it, giving the response to the State of the Union, uh, the State of the Union response where careers go to die. <laughs> um, nonetheless, maybe she can do what no one else has ever seen her do with the State of the Union response. Uh, we'll cover it all here live on Tuesday, but it just it goes to show how the Democrats are going to pour resources into making Georgia as competitive as possible. Now, uh, I don't know whether it will help them to have someone like Kamala Harris as their nominee. Kamala Harris is the Democratic senator from California. Kamala Harris, you do need to know a couple of things. Not that she had an affair with Willie Brown. I think that's a just a garbage story. There's there's no reason for that when there's so much to focus on on her record. 
And that is she was an aggressive uh, attorney general in California. She weaponized the attorney general's office to go after conservatives, to go after Christians. She was also very, very, very aggressive in using the state against criminals, uh, which a tough on crime approach is great, except when you're in a Democratic primary and you're trying to convince uh, right of center voters you're tough on crime by locking up so many people. But she also used regulatory powers to abuse her office by targeting Christian charities, nonprofits, um, right to life pregnancy counseling centers, uh, Christian small businesses. Uh, this is a woman deeply, deeply hostile to individual liberty and to religious freedom. She is also hostile to guns and private enterprise. Jake Tapper asked her about uh, the elimination of private insurance and a single-payer system. This is what she said on the CNN town hall last night. Just to follow up on that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for All bill, I think initially co-sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co-sponsor on on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, So for people out there who like their insurance, they don't get to keep it? Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us have, has not had that situation where you've got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this? Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on. I, I know... Um, because now you're going to have to wait for the government to approve it. Do you really want government bureaucrats? How long does it take you to get your license at the DMV? How many problems have you had with the post office over the years? Do you really want that in charge of your health care? And by the way, there's another issue here. Um, Democrats, some of them, Elizabeth Warren proposing wealth confiscation. And other Democrats, a 70% tax rate on upper income earners. Uh, how are the Democrats going to pay for all this stuff? I mean, the Republicans are spending like drunken sailors. What, what are the Democrats going to spend like? It's, it's maddening to see how far left the Democrats are going right now. And a lot of this is to try to push the conversation in that direction. Republicans, I think, need to respond by pushing in the other direction. And you don't have to obsess. You do not have to obsess over like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I wrote a piece today at theresurgent.com on how Republicans just feel compelled every time she tweets or puts something on Instagram, they feel the need to respond. I I, I don't. Uh, we can respond to the idea of a left-wing environmentalist green, green New Deal without having to bring her up all the time and point out how radical the Democrats are becoming on these issues. But also, let's just accept the reality that a Medicaid for all or Medicare for all scheme is not what's going to sabotage the Democrats in 2020. Just saying the Democrats want to want you to give up your private insurance. Well, a lot of people have given it up for Obamacare now. They're in the system. And a lot of them will say, hey, well, you might as well go to the next step because this system isn't great. What's going to be the, the, the line of attack that's more effective is cost and how much middle class taxes will have to go up to pay for this stuff. And the inefficiency of it 
and death panels. Bring back the death panels because, you know, if you have a government bureaucrat who is unaccountable to you and there is no private sector competition to improve it, it, the American public does understand that if you don't like McDonald's, you can go to Burger King. If you don't like Burger King, you can go to Wendy's. If you want a milkshake from McDonald's, well, you know the ice cream machine isn't going to work, so you got to go to Wendy's to begin with. But if all you can go to is your faceless government bureaucrat in Washington, well, the free market fails and the system can be efficient and corrupt and uncaring and no one can be held accountable because you can't jump or your company can't jump to a different insurance system. Those are the arguments that are going to help the American public build opposition to this idea. Here's Kamala Harris with Jake Tapper on guns. We have got to have smart gun safety laws in this country and we've got to stop buying this false choice. You can be in favor of the Second Amendment and also understand that there is no reason in a civil society that we have assault weapons around communities that can kill babies and police officers. <laughs> Something like universal background checks. It makes perfect sense that you might want to know before someone can buy a weapon that can kill another human being. You might want to know, have they been convicted of a felony where they committed violence? That's just reasonable. You know, yeah, I just, I got to stop here. You know, if you ever bought a gun, guess what? You go through a background check. Um, the Democrats keep saying we need universal background checks. You go buy a gun, guess what? You're going to have a background check. You might want to know before they can buy that gun if a court has found them to be a danger to themselves or others. You just might want to know. That's reasonable. And guess what? The law already does that. It is, it, it, this, there is no reason why we cannot have reasonable gun safety laws in this country. And guess what, guys? Here's the reality of it also. We're not waiting for a good idea. We have the good ideas. An assault weapons ban, background checks. And she wants to get rid of semi-automatic weapons. That means pretty much every handgun in America banned. Yes, she also said she wants to get rid of semi-automatic weapons. Not just assault weapons. Whatever an assault weapon is. An assault weapon is a spooky-looking gun Democrats don't like. Uh, a semi-automatic weapon is a gun that pretty much any American who owns a gun has. <sighs> We're going to go through this again. And, and you know, a number of people... Here, here's. Can we have a moment of honesty in the news analysis here? And I know some of you don't want to hear this. 2016 has so skewed the psyche of Republican voters, it's going to be very hard to make them realize that there are problems ahead in 2020. Because so many of us, myself included, were convinced Hillary Clinton was going to win, and she didn't, that none of us are going to have any credibility with Trump voters moving forward, even though we were right, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. And had she just picked up 70,000 more voters between Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Wisconsin, one of those states, she would have won. Had she bothered to campaign in one of those states, she probably would have won. And the president now starts at a deficit from that. If you haven't been paying attention Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan all flipped pretty decisively to the left in 2018 and did so with turnout almost equal to a presidential election. So the president's going to have to spend time there trying to draw those back. Florida looks more and more secure for Republicans headed into 2020, but Georgia doesn't. Virginia is completely off the table for Republicans now. 
Uh, what about New Hampshire? New Hampshire looks to be off the table for Republicans. The president starts with a deficit. The president uh, does start with a deficit when it comes to support. And I hear from more and more people. I, I got an outraged uh, email earlier today from someone who says uh, it was outraged at me for suggesting the president needs to go on uh, other than Fox News. He should spend time with Chuck Todd or he should spend time with Jake Tapper. Uh, and, and this guy was outraged that I would suggest something like that. Yeah, my, Mike. Mike emailed me um, uh, that Blitzer's a known liar, lying Chuck Todd, who didn't even graduate from college. Uh, uh, Jake Tapper's a perennial liar, except he misspelled perennial. Um, It's you essentially have individuals who are so committed to the fact that everyone other than the people on Fox News are bad. They don't want to go build bridges to those people. And all of the data, including the data the president's campaign team is showing him, shows that he's got to start expanding his base again and has contracted from when he won in 2016 because a lot of his base was anybody but Hillary. Well, now Hillary's not going to win. So he's going to have to convince people it's also got to be anybody but whoever, whether it's Kamala Harris or what have you. And to convince those people, he's got to go where they are uh, to Jake Tapper on CNN, to Chuck Todd, to Will Blitzer. So to say, no, 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 the president doesn't have to grow his base at all. You can look at 2016 and say, the polls were wrong, the polls were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong. And you know what? Hillary Clinton didn't become president because of the Electoral College, but she did win the popular vote. And the president's going to have to figure out how to, if not win the popular vote, at least win the popular vote in a state like Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania that went decidedly left in 20, 2018. And it's a real problem for Republicans now because their base doesn't want to recognize that there actually is a problem in the polling come 2020 already for the president. Uh, whose popularity now is below what it was in 2016. It's below 40%. It's certainly going to rebound. But he has something going for him that cannot be underestimated. That is, the Democrats look intent on losing. The Democrats seem to be convinced that the American public is ready to embrace not just socialism, but communism. And if the president can show that the Democrats, that you may not like him personally, but you like what you're getting from his administration and they're going to screw it all up, well, he's got a winning message come 2020 that the Democrats can't even come close to. Just a quick time out for a sponsor who I am a longtime user of, and that would be Quip. Uh, my electric toothbrush for two years now, more than two years actually, has been Quip. In fact, I just got my new brush head the other day. It's sitting right here. I've got it in my hand. It comes in a nice little tube. You can pop it open, and there's your toothbrush head. It's fantastic. I like Quip. What I like about Quip is that I've used other electric toothbrushes in the past, and the brush heads are so big, it's hard to get to the back of your mouth, and that's where I have a problem brushing after wisdom tooth surgery a number of years ago. I have a real hard time getting back there with uh, a lot of electric toothbrushes, and the Quip fits perfectly. Not only that, but it you don't have to worry about carrying a charger with you. It's got a AAA battery, and every three months, for five bucks, you get a new brush head. It also comes with a AAA battery, and so they keep you in stock. I really like it. I've used this for a number of years now. My wife uses it as well. Even my dentist has commented that I don't have a lot of tartar plaque buildup on my teeth these days, and it's because of the Quip. It really is. Uh, it vibrates for two minutes, and every 30 seconds, 
seconds pulses, so you know to reposition in your mouth. So you get a very even clean. You get the two minutes that Dennis recommend. I really like this. It starts at $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You'll get your first brush head refill pack for free as well. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm emailing my obnoxious producer um, who wants to know who all these people are emailing me. And I had to tell him that I've got this thing called listeners and they email. And, and I talked about Howard Schultz yesterday and Charlie's asking me if I was going to talk about Howard Schultz. He wasn't able to listen to the program yesterday because they were tied up with uh, Mark's show going to the uh, f- uh, State Farm Arena and Phillips Arena thing. And yeah, I talked about him yesterday and I got a bunch of emails from people saying, hey, when are you going to talk about Howard Schultz? So I got to talk about him again. And th- that is the perfect setup for going to Scott from Norcross, who <laughs> is calling about Schultz. Welcome, Scott. Hey, I'm glad I could help you out there. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, my, my question is, I didn't get a chance to listen to the program yesterday and just a little bit of it today. I was wondering do you think he actually has a chance to win and uh, as an independent uh, because of his financial situation? And second of all, if he can't win, do you think he's a major player in pulling enough votes away from one party or the other to give them an advantage for that particular candidate to win? That is a fantastic question, set of questions. So when we come back, I didn't realize I only had 15 seconds left. I want to explore Howard Schultz and whether or not he's a viable candidate. The Democrats are already calling him a racist today, believe it or not. It is cold outside. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. For more obvious observations like that, stick around. <laughs> Look, uh, l- let's talk about Howard Schultz. I had other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I talked about it last night. And I, I the number of people who have um, emailed or called the show and asked, oh, what do I think about Howard Schultz running, suggests to me that you were all standing in line getting your milk, bread, and beer yesterday expecting a snowstorm today and couldn't listen to the show so let's do this uh howard schultz and, and you know this is a perfect opportunity to say you can always subscribe to the podcast uh you can text the word show to 444-999 and uh, put up extra content as well i'm going to start back up doing the not everything's political uh, podcast here shortly as well uh for interviews with politicians about not politics now howard schultz is the former ceo of starbucks he does not currently work at starbucks he is a billionaire. He is running for president. He has come out against Elizabeth Warren's idea for a wealth confiscation plan. Elizabeth Warren basically wants every billionaire in the country to hand over part of their wealth to the government. The problem with that is that she presumes these billionaires are doing nothing uh, but being Scrooge McDuck and swimming in swimming pools of gold coins as opposed to reinvesting that money. Uh, the bulk of our startup culture in this country is funded by venture capitalist funds and that's the money that Elizabeth Warren wants. So uh, the innovation economy will be killed by what Elizabeth Warren wants. And he's come out against this. And of course, she is tweeting attacks from him saying that a billionaire shouldn't be able to comment on this stuff. And she lives in a multi-million dollar home. She and her husband are multi-millionaires. It's, it's always it's never with Democrats. It's never them 
as rich people who are the problem. It's the other rich people who are the problem, the people who are even richer than them. And, we, you know, we live in a covetous, envious, jealous age. And so I expect a tax like this to work with a segment of the population who are jealous of other people's success and want to punish other people's success or think that the other people, because they're successful, should have to give up their success to the people who are not successful. I expect these attacks to go far with a segment of the population, unfortunately. Well, the problem with Schultz is that he is a progressive. Schultz is the guy who has pushed his employees to put trite little phrases on on the coffee cups to try to bring people together and have conversations on racial harmony. He's the guy who banned guns and said he didn't want gun owners in his in his coffee shops. And can I just jump backwards and say he's the guy who pushed Starbucks into the nation. Crap coffee nationwide. Starbucks is garbage coffee. And no one should vote for a man who put burned crap coffee on the palate of the American public. There are so many better coffee shops. But, you know, I mean, his entire strategic plan is going to be finding better, smaller campaigns and crushing them with burned coffee. I mean, it's it just... Yuck, Starbucks. I go there if I have to have coffee and I'm desperate for caffeine, but otherwise I try to avoid it like the plague. There are so many wonderful coffee shops in the metro Atlanta area that don't serve crappy coffee from multi-pierced uh, baristas who are going to vote Democrat anyway, who may boycott their own store because the Democrats are out to boycott Starbucks now, even though Schultz doesn't work there because they think it'll hurt Schultz's, uh, the stock price of Starbucks which will hurt Schultz ultimately economically and force him out of the race. Democrats are out for blood. They are scared to death that Howard Schultz will cause them to lose to Donald Trump. Uh, by the way, Mark Cuban, uh, you know Mark Cuban. He is the, um, he's on the, what, the, the, oh, what's the show? Yeah, the Mavericks owner and also on the TV show, the, the Investor TV show. Yeah, Shark Tank. Thank you very much, Shark Tank. Uh, Mark Cuban has come out and tweeted in the last few hours, if 21 months before the election, you don't believe your candidate's platform is strong enough to win an election, if there's an independent candidate in the race, you might want to rethink who you support. In other words, uh, Cuban is not a big fan of the Democrats trying to drive Howard Schultz out of the race. Uh, it, it's also very interesting. To, so the Daily Beast has a story out in the last hour that Howard Schultz, when he was the chairman of Starbucks and the CEO of Starbucks, their music playlist was too white. That's right. Howard Schultz, the music when he was CEO of Starbucks was too white. And they believe that's a valid attack on him. So in 24 hours, they've gone from we can't win if you run to you're a racist. Get out. It's so predictable. I think the Democrats understand listen they're still bitter with jill stein and that jill stein caused them to lose if it's not the russians it's jill stein ultimately here's the problem um actually the genius of howard schultz running is is a great test on the partisanship of various reporters in the press who typically cheer people's engagement in democracy and the more people participate, I mean, in 2018, how many media narratives did we have about the increase in Democratic turnout and the mobilization and how new people were getting engaged in the process and hallelujah, isn't that wonderful? Democracy is great. New people. Yay. 
And now suddenly we have an independent candidate who's running saying a pox on both your houses. I'm going to self-fund so I'm not beholden to any special interest and I'm going to run and have a message for the American public that we got to get serious about our fiscal health and future. And the media's like, oh my gosh, Trump's going to win if you run. You can't run. No. It shows you a measure of the partisanship of members of the press, that they are freaked out by Howard Schultz running, as opposed to cheering on uh, greater involvement in the democratic process. They should be wanting every single person in America to try to get qualified as, as a presidential candidate, but they don't because so much of the media is emotionally invested in defeating Donald Trump at this point. Howard Schultz is not going to win. Let's just be upfront with this. Howard Schultz isn't going to win. We haven't had a viable third-party candidate in this country since Ross Perot in 1992, and even he lost. The last time we had a really viable presidential candidate uh, was in 1912 as an independent. It just, this country is party-dependent. We have two parties. You run in one of those parties. Now, maybe there could be a third party. I still think the Republican Party is weak enough that if you had people pool their resources, you could get a third party in this country, and the Republican Party is ripe for the taking. But nobody's going to do that. You're going to have Donald Trump versus a Democrat. And the Democrats are increasingly signaling that anyone who gets into the race as an independent is going to hurt them. And I think they're right because you're going to have crazy Democrats saying, hey, let's burn down the free market. Let's force everyone into a government run health care system and confiscate their guns. You're going to have Donald Trump being Donald Trump. and You're going to have third party guys saying, uh, guys, the country's bankrupt. We got to do something. And for a segment of the population who hates Donald Trump and hates radical socialists, um, they're going to go third party, and that's going to hurt the Democrats. Now, before I go to commercial break, I'm holding the station hostage here. I'm refusing to go to commercial break because i got to say something. Because Chris Chandler pointed out in the newscast that the Patriots fans are coming to Georgia and they're laughing at us because of our snow day. First of all, as uh, Charlie on Twitter pointed out uh, from Georgia Politics, that... You know, Georgia doesn't let snow stand in the way of having a good snow day. That's one bonus point for Georgia over Boston. But two, I would point out that, yes, so many of us stayed home from work today on a potential snow day. And in Boston, it got to be 95 degrees this past year. And they shut the city down and canceled school because of heat. Who are the weenies? Hmm. I'm telling you, don't come mocking us because we found a clever way to get out of work today when you people can't take the heat. You're about to have some come Sunday. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Can we have a word about anti-vaccine people? I listen, this is you would be surprised at the hate mail I get from people when I bring this up. But I got to tell you, um, get your kid vaccinated. We have among my wife's and my circle of friends and in our church, um, people who commonly are now referred to as oilers who really embrace homeopathic treatment and essential oils. And I don't have anything wrong with it. My wife takes a vitamin supplement from doTERRA, one of the essential oil companies, and I can tell and she can tell when she hasn't taken it uh, because the amount of uh, just joint pain and, and stuff that she has. And she's taken other vitamin supplements in the past, and, and this works. She, My wife 
a much more believer in essential oils than I am. Uh, and I don't have a problem with it, although we both have a problem with people who refuse to get their kids vaccinated because they're convinced there's an oil for that. I, I've actually had people who listen to this program, and I don't mean to insult you, but it just enrages me, the number of people who have told me that there are essential oils that will cure my wife's cancer as opposed to the medical treatment that is provided for her. And these people are convinced that the drug companies are keeping my wife in cancer because they make more money with her taking this treatment than if she were to use the essential oils, which is hogwash. And yet people believe it because they'd rather believe a conspiracy. And now we got people in Georgia spreading measles because they didn't bother to get their kids vaccinated and their kids are going to suffer because of their distrust of modern medicine. And it's happening nationwide. There is an epidemic of idiocy in this country these days.